Hello and welcome to Dialogues in Dermatology. I'm Dr. Lauren Council, your Editor-in-Chief. We have another exciting podcast for you today. We hope that you enjoy. In February 2021, the Academy launched its three-year diversity, equity, and inclusion plan to increase dermatologic care. In this special episode of Dialogues in Dermatology, AAD Board of Directors member Dr. Valerie Callender talks about the plan and why diversifying the specialty is a high priority for the Academy. In addition, she shares how the board has evolved to better represent the membership, specialty at large, and patients we serve every day. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Dialogues in Dermatology. My name is Vinod Nambudiri, and I'm so pleased today to be conducting this interview with Dr. Valerie Callender, one of the members of the AAD board, on the AAD's diversity, equity, and inclusion strategy. Such an important topic, and we are thrilled to welcome Dr. Callender here today to join us. Well, thank you, and it's a pleasure to be here. Wonderful. Dr. Callender, I know that the Academy takes diversity, equity, and inclusion so seriously and has been working so diligently on this plan to increase dermatologic care. The plan that I've seen as it's been released has four main goals. One of them is the idea of facilitating diversity, equity, and inclusion within the AAD structure, the governance structure itself. As someone who's on the AAD board, why is this so important from your point of view that leadership groups within the academy kind of represent the diversity, equity, and inclusion philosophies? Well, I mean, I think we all know that when you have diverse backgrounds and you have diverse cultures and ethnicities, you have different perspectives. You have different experiences that you can bring to the table. The conversation becomes very interesting. And it's very, very important to have different outlooks when you're facing a situation. I think the idea of having diversity looks as, you know, you just have to think about it. When you're on a board and everyone has different opinions, you can take each one's perspective and actually like a puzzle, just dot the I's, cross the T's, put it together. And whatever idea or problem that you're facing just comes together so nicely. And you can see that when you have diversity, that it's not as as complex as you may think it would be. I think when we have situations and issues in dermatology that the board members have to face, everyone contributes. And we have academicians, we have clinicians, we have women, we have men, we have African-Americans, we have Asians on the board. And of course, we all come together. So I think diversity is important. And I think diversity is a very integral part of any working board. Completely agree with you on on that. Such an important concept in terms of just bringing voices to the table and, and ensuring that the leadership of our organization and all of the various parts of its governance kind of reflect who we are and what we do. So I appreciate that that's so valued at the high levels of the AAD. The Academy really exists for us as dermatologists to come together to serve our patients. And we have this desire to provide high quality care for all of our patients, regardless of race or ethnicity or religion or 
gender, sexual orientation. When thinking about access to care, we know that kind of cultural competency, cultural humility, our ability to relate to one another is huge. What are some ways that our listeners can be more culturally competent or culturally aware, culturally humble when treating patients with diverse backgrounds? Yes, because we do know that cultural competence, the stability of a provider or a physician or an organization to effectively deliver health care services that meet the needs of the patient, whether it's socially, culturally, or linguistic needs of this patient. And so we can be cultural competent in many ways. It comes natural for some, but others it needs to be taught. And I will say there are a lot of training modules that the academy is providing AAD members, even at your home institution, the universities, they have training programs now on cultural competence. I know with the academy, we're also increasing lectures at our annual meeting on culturally competent educational programs and lectures. And so I think that is one way is to seek out these educational resources and training programs that can help you in design. I always think of the diversity on champion workshop that was a program or a meeting that was put together in the brainstorm of Dr. Mitt Pandia, one of our members. And that meeting is a meeting where all different organizations, dermatological organizations come together and they offer speakers and educational talks and even some role-playing, which I thought was very interesting. And this role-playing, even though this last year was more virtual, it was still fun. It was exciting. You could learn a lot about some of the cultural issues that we face in healthcare. And so I think some of the educational training programs is kind of what you need to really look into if you're interested in this topic. I also would say if you have colleagues where you work or see patients and say you have a Latino or Latinx patient and you don't speak Spanish and you have to have those support individuals and physicians at your side that you can say, can you help me um, explain this treatment protocol with this particular patient? So I think there's different ways to approach it, but I think getting the formal training and understanding about implicit bias and some of the other topics that go along with cultural competency. Fantastic. Thank you. I think that's great to highlight all the things that the Academy offers to help our members address cultural competence and our ability to relate to patients across a diverse spectrum. Thinking about the AD's plan one more time, one of the goals that's outlined in the diversity, equity, inclusion plan is to increase the number of practicing dermatologists who are underrepresented minorities or from underrepresented backgrounds. I know the dermatology workforce is something that is of a lot of interest, not only to us as physicians, but to our patients, and it is who we are. This goal really stands out amongst many fields in medicine because fewer than 5% of dermatologists are from an underrepresented minority background. From your vantage point, how are academy programs helping to increase URM or underrepresented minority dermatologists and help us diversify our field? Well, I would say the Academy is doing a lot. And so I'm so happy to report. I will say again that the Academy is doing a lot. And I remember as chair of the diversity at the time task force 
back in, oh, I think I was a member since 2003 to 2011, and I was chair of the diversity task force from 2007 to 2011, we didn't really have that much. It was just a task force. We had the diversity mentorship program, and so most of our time was spent identifying students, medical students who could participate in this program. Well, since then, Diversity Task Force has gone to a committee now, and a very powerful committee, I may say. And I will say that the Diversity Committee has outlined many different programs that we think will benefit our specialty and helping our specialty become more diverse. And so I would say definitely the Diversity Mentorship Program has blossomed and the number of scholarships and awards that we can give out now are have increased. There are also programs that are based on the bioskills workshop of Nth Dimensions. And that is a program that's very interesting because it goes directly into the medical schools where we can really influence some of the UREM medical students, the underrepresented minority medical students. And so the program was at Howard. It was also at Meharry Medical School. And it was a very interesting program. And so to reach those students and to offer them scholarships and then also now design additional programs for these N-dimensions students is definitely a step in the right direction. I would also add that the AAD also exhibits a booth at the Student National Medical Association's conference. It's an annual conference. And we used to do that back in the days, 2003, and they're still doing it. And so I think that's a great way to introduce dermatology to um, the medical students. And not only do we exhibit and participate with the Student National Medical Association, but also with the Student Latino Medical Association as well, which is new. I will also add that through these different programs, the key is mentorship because you can expose individuals to dermatology, but then you have to give them the opportunity. And if you can expose and give them the opportunity, give them direction, hopefully they'll understand how dermatology is as the field of their choice. And so we're really trying to encourage medical students to look at dermatology. We're even now reaching back, looking at high school students. I mean, there's no academy program for that, but those of us who are interested in the diversity in dermatology are also looking back at high school students too as well. Really wonderful to hear. I think the fact that it's been going on for so long, you know, since 2003, even you commented that that's really great to know that the Academy has been committed to diversity for such a long time. And the fact that it's branching out, expanding on what it does, whether it's other organizations, new educational settings really just speaks highly to the priority that's being placed on diversity, which is very impressive. I wanted to talk to you a little bit more. You've clearly been very active in the academy for several years now. You've been on the board for... Four years. Four years. Fantastic. I understand that the board approved this diversity, equity, inclusion plan unanimously. And in my experience with other organizations as well, I know a lot of priorities or votes come up and people fall on both sides of the fence a lot of times. Why do you think this priority, this 
diversity, equity, and inclusion was so unanimous or was able to reach that universal consensus among the board? Well, I think it's several factors that played a role. I would say the chair of the diversity committee gave a report, very thorough report, on why, why we need to do this. This is what we need to do. And this is how we need to do it. And once we all listened to this report, it was a no-brainer. We knew that we needed to do what is right for our specialty and what is right for our patients. And so I think everybody just sat back and listened and took it all in and decided we want change. And I think that's why we 100% knew that this was the right thing to do and this is the right time to do it. And so I commend my colleagues on the board. We sometimes don't agree. And, and so this was a time when you felt that we are a community and that we are an organization that values respect of other individuals. And we know that healthcare is so important to our patients and that healthcare needs to have a diverse workforce. It needs to have a diverse understanding of our patients' needs. And I think we just developed a need to make things right. Great. I I think it's really important that we hear about that. We hear how universally accepting the board was of this being a top priority for the AAD. Tell me a little bit about the composition of the board from a racial standpoint. Well, as I stated, there are 24 sitting officers and directors of the board. And currently, we have four African-American on the board, as well as three Asian. So that's seven out of 24. I think this is good, but I do think that we need to make sure that we preserve this diversity on the board by keeping the numbers the same, elevating them, and not only at the board level, but we need to have this diversity on committees, on task force, and the infrastructure in general of the academy. So seven out of 24, I think is pretty good. And I think about other boards that I have looked at and analyzed. And so seven out of 24 is is pretty good, but we need to keep these numbers increasing and diverse, men, women, all different races, all different viewpoints and perceptions that they can bring to the table. One of the things that we're all living through right now, the COVID pandemic has undoubtedly changed our lives in so many ways, and it's brought a lot of hard truths to the forefront. One of the things that we've seen is that the pandemic has disproportionately affected Black and Latino communities in the United States more so than other groups. One of the things the AAD's diversity, equity, and inclusion plan is proposing or is advocating for is really an agenda that uses advocacy to address such healthcare inequities or healthcare disparities. Why does this need to happen at sort of the advocacy level in addition to all the other things that we've already been talking about? We think about advocacy and health disparities. You know, dermatology is a very small aspect of the house of medicine. Our specialty is relatively small compared to the other specialties. 
And so I think with advocacy, we have to think about collaboration. We can't do it alone. I mean, the Office of Advocacy for the AAD, the staff, Barbara, they are wonderful. They have so much experience with advocacy. But I think with health disparities, you have to really kind of collaborate with other organizations that already do this as far as like the National Medical Association, the American Medical Association. And I think that we need to do it collectively with other specialties who also have the same goal as far as changing the health disparities in the U.S. and improving it. So advocacy always becomes important, not only at the national level, but also at the state level. And so I do think that as the academy looks at diversity and looks at advocacy, we have the experience to be able to make a difference. And so I am for advocacy for the patients and to correct um, the health disparities that we see in dermatology. But I think we have to do it as an effort with other organizations and to collaborate with others that already do this and, and do it well. That's a great point in terms of how we as dermatologists can sort of expand our reach or expand our ability to impact our patients by collaborating with other physicians and other groups that really we're all working on the same team for the same goals. Yeah, there's there's strength in numbers. Absolutely. So you have to make sure that you realize that, you know, the strength is there if we all can work together. Great. I know that these goals of diversifying the specialty and addressing healthcare disparities for vulnerable populations are challenging and they take time. You know, there's a long time horizon in order to see some of these effects come into play. The movement in the right direction, of course, is so critical. And I think that's what this first diversity, equity, and inclusion plan that's been released does lay out for us. But kind of being in the leadership position that you are, what do you think the academy can be doing in five to 10 years from now, not just the short-term horizon, but the more medium to longer-term horizon to really make a difference related to diversity, equity, and inclusion? I think it's something that's always evolving. And I think the evolving issues are going to get worse if something isn't done now. So I think what we're doing is the now. And then you think about the changes in the demographics of the U.S. population. We're going to have more minorities and more patients who will have more health disparities. Those numbers are going to increase if we don't do something about it. So I think it all depends on initiating these programs and then following the results, you know, the metrics. I mean, that's kind of how we know that what's working and what's not working. And so if we do that and the metrics are positive, then we just have to expand on that because the numbers now are going to increase. So instead of going after so many diverse medical students, we may need to double that number based on if the U.S. population is changing. So I just think that all of this is going to come together and we need to sit back and look and see what programs work and which ones don't work and then what programs need to be changed. And that will give you your five, 10 years of how we will evolve and change these programs to make them better and to reach more individuals. That's phenomenal. I really like the emphasis on the metrics and really making this something that we're paying attention to the numbers and following 
the evolution, just as you said, things are always in change and always in flux. Whatever we do now is, is for the now, but we need to be prepared for the future as well. So thank you for that insight. As we come to a close, are there any final thoughts you'd like our listeners to take away on the plan itself or on the state of diversity, equity, and inclusion in dermatology from your vantage point? Well, I will say the lack of diversity in dermatology is a critical issue. And I think we all know that. I think the Academy recognizes this as a problem for our patients and is willing to take it on. So I'm very optimistic. I'm an optimistic kind of person anyway, but I'm very optimistic that this plan, this diversity plan that the Academy has approved will make a difference. I would also like to say that for all of us, Mentorship is just so important and mentorship will definitely help a lot of these programs to succeed. So we need the help from everyone. So if there is any questions as far as how you can help, I think it's real important that we have a discussion on what we can do to elevate our specialty to the next level. Great. Those are powerful parting words for us to have. I want to Thank you for two things. One, for your leadership in the AAD, because I know you've been a leader for quite some time and for advocating for these issues. And secondarily, for joining us here today and sharing your thoughts on the AAD and its plans for diversity, equity, and inclusion. So thank you so much for joining. Oh, you're welcome. And thank you. This was a topic that's dear to my heart. So I was glad to be able to participate and I appreciate the invitation. On behalf of Dialogues in Dermatology, thank you to Dr. Valerie Callender for joining us today, and thank you all for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of Dialogues in Dermatology. This is Lauren Council, your Editor-in-Chief. For more podcasts, including bonus issues, check us out online at the website of the American Academy of Dermatology or through the Dialogues in Dermatology app. You can now also sync your subscription to your favorite podcast app. New podcasts are released each week in addition to our monthly JAD podcast. We hope you enjoyed these new options for listening to dialogues and the increased content for your listening pleasure. Thank you.